you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Savin. Well, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Savin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use that mind for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires. Because one day, the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, boy, I'm bringing on my guests right now. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hi. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> oh, so let me introduce my, um, my listeners to you. Lisa is a mother life coach, author, transformational speaker, TV host, and avid traveler with a MA in spiritual psychology. And her fascination with people has taken her to over 60 countries where she has worked in boardrooms, helping people make shifts to happen in their lives. And much of this charitable work can be found on her website, whispersfromchildrenshearts.org. And she is also the chairwoman of Silicon Valley's Pitch Global LA chapter and frequently works with entrepreneurs, helping them manifest change. And Lisa has interviewed and filmed over dozens of movers and shakers and out-of-the-box thinkers to explore what makes them tick. And the legacy series led to the, and the legacy series rather led to the Amazon original Soul Blazing with Lisa Hasha, and the latest two se uh, se sessions, oh seasons rather. Oh boy, I'm getting a little tongue tied here. <laughs> um, conversations with master teachers, and encounters with metaphysical metaphysical healers, and she just released her latest book. Soul Blazing, transform your imposters into superheroes and live a more authentic and purposeful life. Welcome, welcome, welcomes. <laughs> How are you today? Hi, I'm good. I'm wow, good. you've done a lot of work. <laughs> yes, yes. Packed wow. a lot in. Yeah. How did all that come about for you? Well, it all started as a child. <laughs> and as you know, we no, no one escapes their childhood unscathed. Mm -hmm. So we all have what I call imposters that start running the show for you. So everything that happened to you, it's kind of like a little scar and you put on a mask to hide that aspect of you, whether it's shame or guilt or whatever. So we go through life pretending to be people that were not trying to survive. And part of my job is today is to help you take off that mask and be authentically you because everyone else is taken. But that is easier said than done. That is a long journey <laughs> to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it's hard. So did anyone help you uh, with this growing up or is this just something that intuitively came to you? Well, it started, I think, when I started going to funerals. When you're born in an Iraqi family, 
or any, any Middle Eastern family, a lot of Italian families too, Spanish, Mexican, you know, family is everything, family bonds. And usually they have a lot of children. Like my dad was the 14th child Ooh. and everyone had kids and, you know, five to nine children. So there's a big community and you're taught to not trust anyone, but your inner circle. Mm. So you do everything with your family and with your cousins and we went to funerals, baptisms, weddings a lot. And at funerals, I would see these women, which I call Mathenas, which isn't the correct name. It is a tongue twister, Iraqi name, and several different people gave me different names for it. But what I remember is the Mathena, where I would be sit there watching a funeral, be sitting there, and a woman would start berating people. She'd oh. first pass out tissue boxes for the rows and the pews at the church. Then she'd start berating them like, Oh, your dad died. Well, how often did you even go see him when he was sick in the hospital? Oh, can you remember you? You're his brother. He asked you for money. Did you give it to him? Then what do you care that he died? Hey, you. And I'd be going, oh my God, horrified. <laughs> yes. All this was in Arabic and I didn't speak Arabic, actually Aramaic because we're Christian Iraqis. All I remembered was this woman yelling and everyone crying. And I'm like, wow, this is intense. So years later, I started talking to cousins about it and they said, oh, you misunderstood. They weren't as harsh as you remember it, but what they were trying to do is they're grief counselors. They help you grieve. So they start pushing you a little bit so you could cry and get out of your guilt or whatever it is. So it's similar, but just not as harsh if I um, recall. So I think soul blazing was starting there without me knowing it. So that was before I was 12 years old. Oh, wow. Then I was 16 and my dad worked morning till night and we weren't allowed to go out once the street lights were on. And I was baking a cake a few houses down. Then when I came back, the street lights were on and my dad flipped out. What are you doing? And are you a whore? Are you corrupting all the other sisters? Oh, Cause I'm one of five. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I was just baking a cake. <laughs> <laughs> my friend's birthday. My mom goes, yeah, it's, we know the family. Well, she was just, you know, what do you, why aren't you more strict with the girls? And is this what's happening when I'm not home? And I'm like crying. I, I want to run away. I send her to an orphanage. I'm like an orphanage. What's an orphanage? Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> and, um, so I go, oh, I want to run away. If I had the money, I would. And I was stormed to my room crying. But in that moment, something changed because I was a goody goody. I was, you know, just the straight and narrow. I love my parents. I felt secure and safe and all that stuff. They're both good humans. But at that point, I thought, what if everything they're teaching me is wrong? What if the world isn't as dangerous as they say it is? So I started sneaking out of my window at night and hitchhiking. And oh. going places or on the weekends, I'd say, oh, I'm going to, you know, Teresa's house, one of my friends or whatever, but I would really go and hitchhike and have this journey. And I think those were my first traveling trips. You know, I've traveled a lot, but I think I was traveling through San Diego through these people because all of them, I would only get in a car if it was like Hell's Angels type, never someone who looked like a nice person. Because then I'd go, why does my dad say, don't trust you? Why are you broke? Why do you drive this car? Why do you have tattoos? Why do you have piercings? Why, 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 why? Just so curious. And I did that about a dozen times. And then I thought, wow, the world's not as scary. Then at 22, I wanted to move out from home after college because I wanted to start you know, my career. When I was 10, my maternal grandmother came home and said she saw a psychic before my mom married my dad and said she was going to marry a foreigner and have five kids. And one of them was going to be a star. I get to be the star. And I didn't know what a star was. Mm -hmm. I just sounded great and rich and happy. <laughs> so it represented freedom to me. So I started reading books on Liz Taylor, Marilyn Monroe, and you know all these people. And go, oh, okay, this is how you have to do it. So I thought, oh, I have to move and have to be broke because everyone started off broke. So I got my roach infested apartment and did all that with a girlfriend and butcher paper on the wall and wrote positive quotes and put fun pictures up. But that started my journey. And, you know, I've been on a roll ever since. Wow. How old were you when that happened? <clears throat> I, I moved at 22. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, but before I moved, I was going to San Diego state and I was obsessed with Madonna because Madonna grew up in a patriarchal family. 
her father's from Italy, but the same thing. And she had a lot of siblings, which means you have to stay in line with all the other siblings. No one could rise up. Everyone kind of needs to be the same. And um, how did she move out at 18 and work so hard? And by 25, she has a world tour. Mm -hmm. And I didn't agree with everything she was doing because I was very conservative, but I still admired her guts to be her authentically. And I think that had a big effect on me. So I went to her concert with a friend and then we found out where the band was staying and we thought Madonna and we went there afterwards. So when the band came in, we, you know, just went up on the elevator, just scurried in with all the other fans or whatever. And we were in our little black dresses and dressed the part. So nobody kicked us out. So we were in there and people are doing drugs and they're doing this and like, oh, we don't do that. Oh, we have to be home by 11. We have church tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, I bonded with one of them, the keyboardist and her arranger, and we exchanged numbers and we kept in touch for most of her tour. He kept saying, come to Utah, come to Florida, come to Tennessee. I'm like, I'm not allowed to spend the night from home. He goes like, you're 22. I'm like, I'm not allowed to spend the night. <laughs> so finally at the end of her tour, it was New York. And I said, um, I'm going to go. So I left my parents a note. I'm going to New York. And I went there and I go Madonna because I had five days with her because she had ended it with five nights um, performing in New York. And then I was with her all the time. Then I said, what, what's your secret? What, what would you advice would you give me? And she said, you need to travel and travel alone. Because when you grow up in a community like that, you become just an amalgamation of everyone that you're next mm -hmm. to. And you, you can't be yourself because everything is wrong. Anything that is unique is wrong because they want you to be homogenous. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to go out of that and step out and do something unique or create a unique life, you have to know who you are. And she said, it's very hard to know who you are if your whole life you're going, this is how you think, this is how you feel, this is your political beliefs, your religious beliefs, your sexuality, your femininity, what marriage looks like, all that stuff is told to you. So you go, you have to start stripping that. So that really started me on my journey of traveling. Wow. Uh, yes, yeah, so I started traveling, did a European vacation thing and a lot of stuff happened there that I won't get into on this podcast. But then when I came back, I enrolled in Leif Strasberg Theater Institute and the Groundlings started doing, you know, Groundlings is an improv group. So I was doing um, improv, the who, what, where, and getting up and putting on different personalities. They'd say, you are a police officer and this is a, a nun and that is a cop and you're on the corner of Fifth Avenue in New York and someone just got robbed across the street, go. And then you have to just improv and that character then switch. Now I'm the cop and now I'm the, you know, prostitute or I'm the teacher, whatever you are. So depending on who you were, you act so different. If I'm a cop, my attitude towards what's happening is different compared to if I'm a nun or if I'm a school teacher, if I'm a college student. And I thought, wow, this is so fascinating. I loved it. And I was pretty good at it. Then Lee Strasberg was talking about sense memory. Go back to your childhood. Take that shower. What does that feel like? Feel the water on your face. Just be there. Then you'd start going into that. When was the first time you felt this big? When was the first time you tasted that first, you know, your ice cream, that first bite of chocolate ice? And it's like really remembering things. So I'm like, oh my God, between those two, the Mathena, then travel alone to know yourself. I think it all started without me knowing at the time being pieced together. And then I went, um, I decided to quit acting because too much me too stuff after two years, I'm like, this is too much. And I said, I have to go find my roots in Iraq and understand this culture because it prevented me from doing so much because, oh, a good girl doesn't do that, even if it wasn't a bad thing. You're just supposed to be married or you're, you're, you know, your shelf life ends at 25. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to do this. You can't make your own money. Otherwise, that means you're not lovable. No mm. one's willing to, you know, pay for your life and marry you and give you the great life. All these rules. I'm like, oh, I got to strip all this away. A lot of rules. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That, that took a lot of courage. Yeah, so I ended up going to Iraq and I um, was on a mission. I brought a camera and I was doing a documentary and I was on a mission to meet Saddam Hussein and ask him personally <laughs> and talk to his kids because his kids were supposed to be nightmares, especially Uday, but Kusei was horrible too. But Uday just, uh, that's a whole nother story too, but just ruined everyone's life. He just was just insufferable. 
So they, oh, you can't meet him. You can't meet him. We need your father's permission. I'm like, what do you mean? You might, you need my father's permission. Then the, it was just excuses. Excuse. But anyway, long story short, I did get to meet Taha Ramadan, the vice president, Tariq Aziz, and talk to them about certain things. And then I went to Tilkaf, the Christian part of Iraq, where my dad was born to go see where he grew up and his house and all this kind of stuff, which were really caves. And I ended up going, the whole town just had a school, an orphanage, you know, a grocery store, just small little things. It was very small, humble place. And I'm like, that's the orphanage. He said, when I was 16, he wanted to put me in. So I went in there oh. and I started talking to the kids and they're like, why are you bombing us? My uncle lost his leg. My father died. This happened, that happened. Why does America hate us? Why does the world let this happen? I'm like, no, that's politics. We love you. We're all one. And they're like, no, you don't. I go, okay, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to memorialize your words. So I started interviewing them. And I stayed there for about a week and just talking with them. And I was so touched and moved by that. I'm like, how do I memorialize their words? And then I had a job uh, doing trade shows in all these different countries. So anytime I went, I'd stay an extra couple of weeks and I'd find the orphanage and I started interviewing kids. So over five years, I went to 15 orphanages wow. and worked with the children and, you know, asked them questions. And that was in the, my first book, Whispers first from book. Children's Hearts. And I asked them, is God fair? Why or why not? If you had one wish, what would it be? And who in the world would you want to meet most? And I think listening to them and listening to what Australian kids say compared to Chinese kids, compared to kids in Prague or Budapest, Paris, United States, Iraq, Jordan, Israel, all so different. And I'm like, wow, we're all one. But based on our programming, we mm -hmm. learn to hate this group. We learn to we're shy. We don't talk to strangers. Oh, we talk to everybody in Paris. Everyone was talking to me and, you know, China, nobody would talk to me hiding behind their mom's group. Why are you asking questions? What are you doing this for? And I'm like, Oh, once I tell them, they say, okay, most of them allowed me to, but just very different of how people interact with each other. So I started keeping lots of journals through all these trips. And then I decided to go back to school and get a master's in spiritual psychology to understand more. Wow. Then through that program, I started working in the prisons, Chowchilla prisons and with foster children. And then when I was working with this woman, Bella, who was the bully of the prison, and she was just dark and she had a shaved head with a snake tattoo coiled around her head that draped down her arm. She just looked at me. I've been here for 23 years. And what do you think you can do for me? You've got nothing. You know, you can't even relate to my life story. She had murdered a couple of people, her husbands. And I just said, you know, yes, I can just give me a chance. And then I said, you know what your problem is? And I, I told her, you have the devil inside you. And, you know, she, you can't say that. I'm like, yes, you do. And I said, we all do. I do too. But you're letting that run your life. You have to come from a different place. You have a choice to live in the darkness or it's a brand new day. And anyway, doing all this stuff. And she goes, I hate your stupid briefcase. <laughs> like, I hate it too. I brought it here to impress you. <laughs> it's not impressive. And I'm like, okay. And then we sort of broke ice in that way. Okay. And mm -hmm. So I said, okay, let me hold your hands. And I held her hands. This is part of soul blazing. And I looked her in the eyes and just staring at her like this in silence. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I love you. I love you. And just looking at her and she started breaking a little bit. And then we started having a real conversation. Then at the end of it, she said, Lisa, you just blazed my soul. And wow. I said, Bella, you just gave me the name of my business instead of a life coach. I'm a soul blazer. I said, you said you had nothing else to give. This is going to help so many people because wow. of the name itself. And, and she, from being the bully of all these intense people, you could imagine in the, yeah. uh, her being the bully of that, whoever came in, she would just berate them and let them know who was boss. She raised, I think, 60 to $75,000 on a pay phone for abused people, you know, women or children. And she became the angel, bringing them in and helping them understand what prison life is. Because it's really like a city. I said, you live in the real world. This is a whole city. This is your world. Yes, you'll never get out, but you can make the best of it. You can do whatever you want. You could get a job. You could be a coach. You could help people. I mean, you could continue education. I said, make the best of it. You're stuck here. And anyway, it was a remarkable story. Then the chaplain saying, what did you do to her? She changed so much. I'm like, I soul blazed her. I blazed her soul. And yeah, so I wow. kept there and working with that. But that really had a huge effect. So I started writing all these stories down. 
then as I'm doing that, then I'm working in the film business and my husband co-created Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory. So I'm working with all these people. And I'm associating with all these people making millions of dollars, creating big shows and actors and this whole world I'm in. So I started going, oh, what's their issue? What's their issue? What's bothering them? Oh. Prisons orphanages. I went and worked with nomads. I worked with Bedouins in the mountains of Petra. I went to study with shamans in Peru with Ram Dass's people where um, I learned about myself more with plant medicine, which is a huge thing because I've never done anything like that. I don't even smoke a joint. I'm like doing ayahuasca and all <laughs> stuff. So that was so life-changing. So I started doing all these things. I learned whirling with Sufis in Cappadocia, stayed there for a month. So I did all this stuff and I'm writing in my journal. What does this mean? What, where's this person coming from? So I came up with seven archetypes that I saw that were patterns, you know, so it's the victim, the egotist, the seductor, the joker, the fixer, the overthinker, the judge, and the goal is to get to your authentic soul. Mm -hmm. And within there, I'm sure there's lots more, but from the people I'm working with, all of them could kind of fit into that. Like, oh, I wanted to do this and that, but I never finished it because they're overthinking everything. It has to be perfect. It's not good enough. Or the victim, I never had enough money. I was abused as a child or I was an orphan. And so I can't ever make anything of my life. You could always make something of your life if you retrain your brain to think in another way. What I learned is everything we think about is a story. Nothing is really real. I have four sisters and all of us have a different idea of how we grew up. Remember this? I'm like, I don't remember that. Remember that? I don't remember that. And I say, remember that? They don't remember. I'm like, oh my God. Some of us think we grew up wealthy. Others say we grew up poor. And I was like, what is this? What is, what is it? So we see the world through our own lens based on our own life experiences. And if you could start changing that and the way to do it is to Find out who, which imposter is running your show because imposters are like showstoppers. They want to go, woo, I'm a victim and let me hold that medal. This happened to me and that happened to me and my life will never work out. So I'm going to hate on anyone who's doing well because if you're rich, that means you're an awful person or you're, you know, all these stories. Um, the egotist, I don't care who I stomp on. I'm going to just become the best and I'm going to, you know, kill all the little people. I don't care. You know, the seductor, I don't feel confident. So I'm going to like use my sexiness or sex appeal to get what I want. But then I'm going to have shame and guilt. And then, you know, you'll end up unhappy at the end of the day. So imposters, once you could put a leash on them and name them, I equate it to a pit bull. When you train a pit bull to be, you know, a, a dog that could protect you, but also a kind, loving dog, it, it won't bite. It will be the best pet ever and protective. But if you beat it up and teach it to be mean, they get really mean and they'll bite someone else or they'll bite you. You know, they don't have discretion. So you hear so many stories about that and so many people are afraid of pit bulls. And it's like, but it's how they're trained. And that's the same as our imposters. They live on the stage of your brain. All of us have all of these to one degree or another, but there's usually a dominant one. And, you know, we'll all use a seductor if we're in a relationship or something, but if it gets ugly, you use it to get what you want mm -hmm. or use sex as a weapon or the joker. We're all funny or we all say things, but jokers want to like undermine you a little or use you as a butt of a joke to get better or yeah. get something, you know, so there's always something, a fixer. Oh my God, I'm just helping my parents and I'm helping my friends. And so I don't have time for myself. I'm such a giver or that. That's why my life's not working out. It's like, no, you can make your life work out. Have you ever heard, take care of you first, put the you know, mask on you first so uh -huh. that you could you know, protect your kids. If you are drowning, you can't really help others. That's just an excuse because it's much easier to be there for others than it is for ourselves because right. most of us don't love ourselves. And that's part of this. Once you get to your authentic soul, you get to learn how to love you because you're yourself authentically. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned all that because, you know, as a healer and a hypnotherapist, I find that a lot of my clients are either victims or the joker or the fixer or they overthink or they judge or yes. you know, uh, the, the, the seductor or, you know, prostitute, however you want to call it. And it's, it, and I, it's so important that they get out of that mentality 
because then they're able to do what they need to actually accomplish for themselves instead of staying in that victim. You know, why me? Why this? Why that? You know, and um, things happen to the best of us. Uh, Why not you? So, you know, and that's how I look at it. Um, it, it just is what it is. And yeah. it, once you get out of all of that, then yeah, then you need to reach inside of yourself and figure out who you really are. Oh, absolutely. And that's so true. But it, that is such a hard thing to do. And that's why it's good to join a group. You know, like I do Zoom classes, which are really inexpensive. And I have privates and I have live workshops, which are, you know, all very different Um because sometimes if you try to do it alone, you can, but it might take a lot longer or you need that advice. That's why people go to therapists too, or hypnotherapy, which is stuff you do. And you need someone to help balance your chakras or whatever. Sometimes it's overwhelming because you can't see things the way other people can. And sometimes you just need that love or that reflection back. That's why even talk therapy is good. When I was, you know, getting my master's, I was doing therapy. I'm like, oh, this doesn't really work as much for me. I love the um, improv and all that, getting it in your body. But that also works to a certain extent because you're, it's someone just needs someone to listen to them. I need to get stuff out. Yes. And then some sound advice or someone asking them good questions, smart questions that they wouldn't ask themselves. So, you know, they do say that a butterfly, that if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon rainforest, that it can change the weather halfway around the world. And what that means is what you're doing now, you know, it's everything, you know, it's an accumulation of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, everything that comes before this is what's going to happen in the future. And everyone's like, well, I can't guarantee my future. I'm like, well, it's what you're doing now. It's accumulation because mm-hmm. you're flapping your wings down. That is what is happening now collectively in our world as you see all these world problems coming up. It's all of the mistakes we've made or our government has made that has caused and created these issues right now. And I think we're always going through something, but in your individual life, it's the same thing. What choices are you making? All those are accumulation of where you are today. If you wanna tell your future, start changing today and you'll tell your future of what's gonna happen to you a year from now. Mm -hmm. And it's always the small stuff. What do you do? I have a morning routine. If you don't have a morning routine, you probably won't be successful. And if you happen to be successful because you're extra smart or stepped into luck, you won't be happy because you're not doing mind, body, heart, soul, which is what I teach. Mm -hmm. We're all complex individuals. And if one of those is off, you're not going to be okay. There's something inside you that's going to be sad, or I don't know why I'm not happy. And, you know, I have all this money. It's because you're not living your purpose. You're not passionate. You're just doing a job for money or your relationships are failing, or you're, you know, you're, you don't know how to love yourself because you're still worried about or fixated on what happened to you as a child. And you're never smart enough. You're not good enough. I don't love you or you're abandoned, whatever it was, you're holding that at a cellular level and you've got to release that. So in the morning, I try to do something for my mind, body, heart, soul. I always make my bed because if you make your bed, that's the easiest thing to do. And it starts your day saying, yes, I accomplished something. (laughs) Yes. And then I always write gratitudes, three gratitudes. I read a passage from something spiritual or whatever that grounds me to the universe and go, okay. Then I go outside. I move my body. I walk on the grass, barefoot. I have a backyard. But even if it's just walking around the block, then I do a few stretches, you know, just to say, wake up body. I love you body. And just, you know, pat yourself. You know, I learned this Tai Chi and the different types of energy work just to wake up your body. And all of it could take 30 minutes or it could take an hour, hour and a half, depending on how much time you have, like Mm -hmm. take that three mile walk instead of a two block walk, but anything, as long as you train yourself, I'm here for you every day. Even if you write one gratitude and just throw your covers on your bed and don't do it all the way, it's still saying, I respect me. I count. I carve out time in the day for me to help me be successful. Because if you don't choose your day, the day is going to choose you. If you just kind of float and everyone, you get a call, hey, then chat on for two hours and oh, let me just go cook something. Oh, let me go clean this drawer. Let me, your day just, we could fill it with so much petty stuff. Oh, let me watch the news two hours later. You're still clicking through different news stations. Now your energy is, oh my God, what's the point of anything? Our world's falling apart and Mm -hmm. we have to do work on ourselves, or we're just, you know, going to be 
you know, what the butterfly effect is just an accumulation of everything we're putting in and all that is negative. Oh, I didn't accomplish this. I didn't, didn't say what I was do what I wanted to do. The world's this and that. And then you fixate on something else. You don't have to fixate on, oh, I'm supposed to write that book. Oh, but the news, and this is important. And you know, whatever it is, I go through a lot with that with clients right now saying, how can I focus when there's so much of this going on in the world? That's yeah, you have to put it, you have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries. Yeah. You, you have to, because if you don't, you know, I know like for myself, I say, all right, from, from, you know, I, I set my, my own schedule where I go to my office and I, you know, help my clients. <clears throat> but then when I, I, when that's done, I say, all right, from this time to this time, I need to accomplish this. Don't answer the phone. Don't look on, uh, you know, YouTube or what, you know, wherever else. Don't get distracted. Because then if I do, I get angry at myself. Yeah. And I say, why did I do this? Why was, wasn't I just focused enough to just stay, you know, centered and do what I need to do? And I think a lot of people have that, that problem where they, again, like you said, you know, look at the news and they scroll through Facebook or whatever it is. Yeah. And then they actually um, uh, get frustrated with themselves. Yeah. Oh, all the time, all the time. That's the biggest thing that I encounter with clients. That's what they all say that I, there's so many distractions in the world. And then, oh my God, I lost my job or I lost this. I'm focusing on finances and this and that, but still whatever is you're going through, because we're going to constantly be going through things. I know so many wealthy people that lost everything and now they're rebuilding again, or people that have lost everything once or twice and have re rebuilt or are on the process of rebuilding again, we're always going to have issues, but it's how you handle them. Yes. And if you don't give yourself time, you, everyone has 15 minutes in their day to give to them. <laughs> everyone, if you don't, you really have deeper problems than you even realize, <laughs> because even if you get up early, sometimes I do my routine at three in the morning. So I'll wake up because I have so much on my mind. I'm like, okay, let me just do my routine. And I do that. So I make sure that's done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because we, we have to, you know, I think it's important that we do do that and, and not allow that outside interference to interfere with what, you know, hopefully our purpose and, and passion is. Yes, absolutely. Otherwise you, um, we'll keep getting deeper and deeper into the hole mm -hmm. because your actions today is what creates a better tomorrow. And exactly. then if you do it tomorrow too, then it creates a better, you know, end of the week, if you do it every day and then every month and in three months, you're going to go, Oh my God, look what I accomplished exactly. compared to five years. Yes. You know, and, we are and, uh, the architects of our mind. <laughs> but that's it. And not to allow other people to, you know, put you down in any way and say, you're writing a book or you're doing this, you're doing a podcast. Who cares? This is my life. This is how I see fit. You do what you want to do. So, but a lot of people take other people's words and that actually puts them down. And then they, of course the, they'll become a victim of, of yeah. that other people's, you know, energies, which yes. is doesn't serve purpose in any way. No, you have to cut off the people who are not really serving you. Even mm -hmm. if it's temporary, you have to say, I'm just going to associate with the five people that are closest to me as who you are. Tell me, you know, you've heard that. Show me that you're five closest people in your life and I'll tell you who you are. And that is because you, we take on the energy of that. When I was growing up, it was the energy of my family and all the relatives and that programmed me to think and feel and do things. And then once I got away from that and I started really doing um, my own thing and traveling and traveling alone, it was completely different. And so, I started having my own thoughts and thoughts. Oh, I don't have to be Republican. You know, I could be an independent if I want. I, I don't have to be pro-war or against war. I don't have to be. It's like, what do I think? Or who do I hang out with? Or who do I want to marry? It doesn't have to just be a good Chaldean boy. It could be anyone I fall in love with. Exactly. Yeah. It just, everything changes. It, so it does. And it's important that we, we think for ourselves. And, yeah. And a lot of, a lot of, I've noticed because I have some teenagers that come see me they're so into TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and these reels 
that it's it's actually making them uh, their self-esteem and confidence is going down the drain. Oh, they said the anxiety of kids today. Yes, and yeah. my daughter's an example. She's like, mom, everyone's crazy. I guess the seventh grade class is really crazy. She said that the teachers just cry. And one teacher just walked out because he can't <laughs> all the stress of all the crazy kids and nobody wants to do their homework and everyone's, you know, doing spitballs or just, it's a public school. And not, I think it happens in every school though, but it's very interesting. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, mm -hmm. and it's a shame because I know back in my, you know, I, well, I graduated um, high school in 66, well, a yeah. long time ago. It was so different when I, when I look at my, all my grandkids now and back then, um, we, we, we truly, I would say to an extent, we really somewhat knew who we were. Yeah. Because we didn't have that outside interference and, yes. and, and all this, uh, you know, internet where, you know, the girls are, look so thin, but in actuality, they may not be because you can fix certain yeah. parts of your body. And it's just a shame. And, and all I, the filters I, that they right, have. All the filters. Yeah. And, and it's how can you possibly live your, you know, be your authentic self when there's so much anxiety and stress going around? Absolutely. It's so hard. What I do with that is the S-O-U-L practice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the best way to work through the noise, you know, and the fiction of our imposters is to stop. So that's the S. Yeah. Then observe them. Then understand them. Like, where do they come from? Who caused this? Why do I think this way? And then liberate them. Yeah, and that's a process and exercises I do in the soul blazing program, because if you don't like, go, oh my God, why did I just say that? Or why did I sabotage this job or this relationship? Mm -hmm. um, and it's because your imposters just, you know, speak for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They um, react instead of respond. And once you get in touch with your authentic soul and put a leash on your imposters, you could respond rather than react. And you could use your imposters because I don't think you could ever rid yourself of them because they're a part of who you are, but you have them work for you and they become your superpowers instead of your saboteurs because mm -hmm. now they're trained when you're about to do the same thing again. You're like, oh my God, that's Lucy, you know, whoever did that to me and you go, oh, I see you. You can do that in a split second. I'm not going to let you do that this time. And then you sit down and when you go home, you write, you know, your authentic soul, then Lucy, authentic soul, Lucy, and just channel what happened and why did that come out at that moment? And once you do that a few times, you go, oh, that was the trigger. That was a trigger. Then it starts to diminish and you don't, you stop reacting. It's not a trigger for you anymore because you get, oh, it's just my imposter. It's not even me. It's not my authentic soul. It's my personality based on what other people who were dysfunctional, our parents included, everyone did the best they could. So whatever their baggage is, they gave it to us. It's like, no, thank you. I'm going to give this back to you. Mm -hmm. I don't need it anymore. I've had it long enough. It's yours now. And once you do that and just take it and go ding, done, it, so much opens up inside of you. It's amazing. It is. It is amazing. You know, it's funny. I, I've been wanting to do a podcast for, for a long time. And some of my friends back East would say, oh, you, you know, what if you make a mistake? Like, yeah, I made a mistake <laughs> introducing you. We're human. It's okay. And, and the thing is, I said to myself, all right, is it a lack of confidence or self-esteem or fear of making a, an error? And I realized it was the fear of making an error. And then I decided, no, it does not matter if I can't pronounce something or make a mistake, just be who I am. And that's when I, I started this because I truly believed in myself. Uh, I, I began this last September doing the podcast. Oh. And allowed everybody else to just go away from me. Just leave. what made you start it? What was your inspiration? Uh, to have people like yourself on this, where you other people can you know listen and say, "Wow, I'm I'm really interested in what she's saying." You know what Lisa's saying, and so I'm going to give her a call. Um, you know, at this age, I mean, I'd be 74 uh, in September, and I said to myself, "Now it's it's me of giving." back you know even though i'm always giving though but it's me of more giving back by taking time out to do this podcast and have people like yourself so others can listen and say wow 
that's the one I need to talk to. And it's all about connections, I feel. And, and again, I know, I mean, I still have my Brooklyn accent and it still comes out <laughs> just who I am. And, but it's okay. It's fine. And so Absolutely. I, I became my authentic self. I, I let oh. the victim of all that go and, and everything else. And I said, nope, nope, we're going to do this. We're good. We're good to go. And yeah. I love doing this now. Oh, it's wonderful. You yeah. meet so many people. Oh yeah. yeah when I, I interviewed people, I've interviewed over a hundred guests and that was just so much fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I then might I learned. podcast in two years or so, but not now. <laughs> well, I think I have 42 up and, um, since September, I'm, I'm looking, I'm doing actually doing it every single week. Nice. And I'm, I'm just loving it. I'm meeting such incredible people from all over the world that I would never have met had I not done something like this. And for myself, be courageous that, yeah, I may be on video and I may, again, you know, miss not say the right thing or whatever it is, but it's okay because it just shows our human side. And not to be afraid. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you, like you were saying, you're, you're, you are your authentic self. Mm -hmm. So you're not afraid of mistakes. You're not afraid of misspelling. So what? That's me in this moment. If I did it again, I wouldn't make that mistake, but I don't even have to redo it because I don't care. There's so much power in that. Yes, there is. You're a not lot trying power. to present, oh, I'm so polished and I'm so perfect. And you got, because we're not, life is messy and we are messy. And, but if you do want to make a change in your life, um, do you know Joe Dispenza? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He always says, you know, you have to become somebody else, like break up with yourself and become someone <laughs> else, step into somebody new. Uh -huh. But it's so true. You can't be who you want to be if you're still the same you today, doing the same behaviors and patterns, because mm -hmm. all of our perceived issues that we have, are all of our shortcomings, our failures, all of it is based on our daily habits. And what we think of ourselves, and if you don't work on that, yes. Of if you're going, God, I'm really not bright. I'm really um, not a good speaker. I'm really not a good writer. Whatever it is you want to do, I'm not good at making money. I, I don't know how to keep friendships. Whatever it is, that's still there. You really have to get that out of your brain and reprogram yourself. And I found a great way to do that is through declarations. I say that instead of affirmations where you're declaring, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And you, um, a lot of people do affirmations where they just, you know, get them from a book, Louise Hay or something, you know, I am beautiful. I am smart, but I don't think those work so much. I think you have to go, what is my issue? And then work, give an affirmation about that. Like if you think, oh, I'm overweight, I live in a strong, healthy body, you know, something like that. And what is it that you want? Oh, I want a strong and healthy body. It's not about, you know, the, how much fat percentage. Exactly. So you start articulating it in a way that is you. Then once you start doing this, your whole life starts to change when you look at yourself in the mirror and do it. And I record it on my phone and I just listen to that in the morning. And then I look at myself in the eyes when I'm, you know, brushing my teeth or whatever, then I go, okay, do my affirmations there. So you're, we don't even look at ourselves anymore. <laughs> we are just so busy. Just da, 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 let's wash your face. Go, 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 go. So it's like, okay, no, wait, who are you? Let me connect to my authentic soul. This is after you do your gratitude. I do my declarations. I do all that. Then I move my body, connect. Okay. Now let me start my day. You don't, you don't think my day is going to be that much more powerful because I am creating it. I look at my calendar. What do I have on it, my agenda? How can I prepare for them? And what can, else can I create? So, and I block it out. So if I say, oh, I'm doing CEO work from, you know, one to three or whatever, I don't book appointments through there. That's my CEO work for my self-care, my Pilates or whatever I want to do or a walk. This is my time for that. I'm not going to let someone else take my time. No. You have to make yourself just as important as that important meeting. Because if you don't have important meetings with yourself, again, you're going to fail at those important meetings because people pick up on it. You can't sit there and say, oh, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. They're going to go, no, you're not. On your forehead, it says you don't love yourself. Exactly. You don't keep your word. You know, you don't follow through all these things. Which is so important. And I, 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 I always, <clears throat> with my kids growing up, I would always tell them, you know, what comes out of your mouth, you know, be careful because once you let it out, 
you cannot take it back because it's out into the universe. And if you say something, make sure you mean it and follow through with it. Yeah. Because it's so important. Yes. You know, like for myself, I, I take courses. I, I, I take courses in writing. You know, I've done quite uh, many hypnosis courses. And the, the, uh, um, the ironic of it is when I actually do hypnotherapy, I've trained myself so that the Brooklyn actually goes away. So <laughs> why would you want it to go away? It's well, fabulous. Oh, it is. Well, it's great, you know, for having conversations and being yeah. me. But when I do hypnosis, it completely changes. It puts me in a completely different mindset. And it makes that part of me more powerful for that client. Interesting. So, yeah. So, you know, we, we can do, I feel that we can do anything that we set our minds to do. Yes. Without a doubt. Because the mind as you know, is so powerful. It can either help us or destroy us. Yes, absolutely. Your mind, you have to become the architect of your mind mm -hmm. and a social architect of who you hang out with and all of that, because mm -hmm. life is a state of mind. And if you don't get into a state where you're powerful and not, oh my God, I'm powerful in a superficial way, but feeling it of my life matters. Mm -hmm. You know, you've heard of the acorn theory, you know, a little acorn turns into an oak tree. That's you. And you could either start growing into that oak tree or you could just kill it and not water it. And we all came in for a reason. There's a reason that your soul is here and we're all different. So nobody couldn't be you. I, I can't say, oh, I want her life. Oh, you know, I do have people up that I admire because you are the five closest people you hang out with. So I've got Mahatma Gandhi. I've got Simone de Beauvoir. I have Oprah Winfrey, Herman Hess, Anais Nin, you know, Pablo um, Picasso, Angelina Jolie, Aubrey Hepburn, Tracy Chapman. These are the people that I just love an aspect of them. I'm like, oh, I'd love to play guitar and sing the way Tracy Chapman does. You know, I started, you know, playing guitar. Oh, I love Aubrey Hepburn's just eternal style and her humanitarian work and all of that. Same with Angelina Jolie. I love her humanitarian work. I love how Oprah has conversations with interesting people and brings all these ideas to the world, you know, and shares all these great minds. I love Anais Nin's honesty and vulnerability and how she wrote in her journals and just exposed herself so blatantly to the world. You know, Mahatma Gandhi that he, you know, traded in his life for his beliefs and just simplicity and not fighting. And I mean, just all these people, you know, Maya Angelou for all her poetry and her horrific life of being raped and abused and poverty mm -hmm. got her act together and put herself through law school and became this poet and this beautiful voice in the world when she could have been such an ugly voice and in prison exactly. and all this stuff. So once you start looking at these people every day and going, oh, wow, these are the people I love and care about. You know, I want to have that aspect. I want that you start creating you and the old you starts to die of, oh, I'm, I don't have any power. I don't have a voice. Oh, who cares what I have to say? Everything's already said before and people say it better. And, you know, why do I need to go to Iraq or help people? Why do I have to do humanity? Someone else could do it. Or I don't have time for that because my life isn't this. Everyone has time for it. And what people don't understand is that the more you give, the more you get, because the more you like yourself. Mm -hmm. So when I started taking people on workshops and retreats, you know, before Ava, I took them to like Tanzania and then we would go there where it's so beautiful and you're out in nature so much. And then we would take a eight hour Jeep ride to like Natron where the Maasai tribe was and we'd stay and live with them. And what that would do is change yourself completely because you're watching all the women stay home and they're cooking the meals for the men, the men going out, dressing up in the garb that you see in books and on TV. That's really who they are. They have their spears. They still go out and hunt and bring their food home for the day. And I was there when a little boy was crying because he was going to miss his dad. He was like two years old and they got a knife and cut his face right under his eye. So his tears would go down and it would burn him because of the salt and the tears to teach him. You don't cry. You have to be a man. Oh. Then they drink you know, how we drink wheatgrass juice or cucumber juice. Mm -hmm. They have, they cut a goat and then they put the blood of a goat for all the tribesmen to drink before they go on their, you know, journey to go get the food, you know, be the gatherer and hunters. 
And, you know, just that is like, wow, this is just a whole different culture. And where are we the same? Where are we different? And, you know, all these things. And it's just fascinating to me. And so during the day, we would go out and give back and help different people and help different tribes. And then at nighttime, we'd go into our sacred space, light candles, and I'd love doing it in the dark. And we'd be in a circle and do soul blazing. Everyone would talk and be vulnerable and what they learned. And I always found every, anytime we went and gave, we'd all bring a suitcase too. Oh. And we'd go to the different places. And then we'd just knock on a door. What do you need? Then we'd give them supplies and clothes and stuff from Hollywood and then, oh, you need to build a house. Oh, you need bunk beds. Oh, you need a couple of chickens or a goat tea. Then we'd go get there and hire local, you know, construction workers. And watching the faces of these people was just like, wow, so amazing. And then when you like yourself, then when you're in therapy over a week, you start seeing people shift from I'm depressed. So I'm here because nothing's working out. God, I'm getting a divorce. My kid's on drugs. My Da, 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 all these stories. But once you go, oh, I'm in charge. Now they can go home and go, oh, child, you know, whatever it is, let me help you from a, a place of strength mm -hmm. and um, working with them, you know, because kids don't listen to what you say. They watch you and they imitate you and they pick up on your energy and how you do life, how you make decisions. So everyone starts shifting and changing without teaching those lessons. They still get it just by going, wow, look at the small thing I did. And it's such a big thing. I gave 50 bucks and it's life-changing for these people, you know, especially when 10 of us are doing it at once. And you're, you start looking at that going, wow, I am unique. And I have something to give. I was born for a reason. I can make a difference in the world and in my children's life and people around me and expand from there. And once you feel that power, you're unstoppable. Yes. Exactly. All the people who go, you can't do that. You're like, oh, that's nice. Have exactly. a great day. Uh -huh. You don't take it personally. Of, oh my God, is that true? I can't believe they said that to me. Hey, Jane, did you find out what you, hey, Tom, did you, this person said this to me. Hey, and you spend all your time talking about the insult that someone gave you. Exactly. Or someone, your parent did something to you for one minute. You're dumb, you know? So I had a client who they, they got paid for C's where their siblings did not. And, but yeah, I was always the dumb one. So I never went to college. It's like, oh my God, that was said in one sentence, like within 30 seconds, when you were like in seventh grade and you're taking it and now you're in your fifties and you're still you're hanging still on there. to, mm -hmm. I was the dumb one. And I, I, the reason I'm broke is I never had a chance. My dad said this to me. It's like, come on, you know, that's one broken person, the issue of that person. And they thought they were doing a good job. I'm going to pay you for C's because I could see you can't get A's and B's like others, you know, siblings can, but that was his way of being generous. Mm -hmm. So if you go back, like when I went to Iraq to find my roots, I went, oh, he said that because he loved me. He wanted to scare me and my sisters to not um, get out of line because it would affect everyone's reputations and all of our cousins and second cousins. And everybody. And, mm -hmm. So he didn't do that because he really wanted to get rid of me. He did that to say, I got to keep you safe. And this is the way I feel I could scare you into not doing that again, because there's tough repercussions. Well, that's it. But, you know, then, then we just, we can't, then we go through life, uh, not finding us. But that's what happened. Mm -hmm. I was going through life being a victim. And yeah. then I said, I can't do this anymore. And I said, okay, I'm going to go find my roots. I'm going to go on my hero's journey, <laughs> go out into the world alone. And you that, know. that was courageous. I have to say, you know, that was definitely courageous, but you did it. And look, did it. Look, look what you've accomplished. You've written two books. Yeah. You know, and I've written other books too, stories and other people's books. And I've sold two screenplays and I wrote and directed a feature film and a short film that won awards. Yeah. I've done a lot of those that would have never happened if I stayed small. If I said, oh, I'm just this little girl from San Diego. I can't do anything. Everyone said, oh, you'll be back within six months. You'll never survive. LA's dog eat dog. And I'm like, okay. I've been here for three months and I'm hanging out with Madonna. My boyfriend's working with Earth, Wind and Fire every uh -huh. day. He's up for Grammy Awards. Um, I'm at Madonna and Sean's wedding three months in and at three more months later, within six months, I'm at the Grammy Awards with my boyfriend and I'm with all the, I, Prince and Apollonia are at my table because he's doing something with them. That was when Purple Rain was happening. Oh yeah. I'm like, uh -huh. no, it's you create your reality. Your reality. Mm-hmm. And when I met them in San Diego and kept in touch, I'm like, 
Of course, because I'm the psychic said I'm supposed to be <laughs> a star, but they didn't say how they said, yeah. we don't know if it's what it is. It's just, so that made me say, oh, just that thought again, if you could believe the negative or the positive, oh, then they say I was going to be rich regardless. And, you know, I was going to be rich at the end of the day and I was going to make my own money. So I thought, oh, I could screw up. I could travel. I could do whatever I want. Cause at the end of the day, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> it's just like, it had such an impact on me because my mom believed in them so thoroughly that uh -huh. I'm just like, oh, they have to all be true. And so I just took it with me. So instead of a negative, I took that positive and positive. I was like, this is who I'm going to be. So I took a lot of chances because I thought, oh, at the end of the day, I'm going to be fine. She also said I was going to die at 83 in water. So I'm like, I'm not taking a shower when I'm 83 years old. Nothing, no boat trips, no kayaking, no swimming. But you, you but, got a long way to go, believe me. Yeah, yeah. And you have a lot more to do. Yeah, yeah. But it still sticks there. I'm like, oh, I've got to get rid of that. That keeps coming. Oh, yeah. Up. You have to let that go. I, I, I it's funny because you mentioned that because I, I, um, one of my clients, um, a few years ago, um uh saw a psychic and the psychic said she would uh die at the age of 85 and now she's 89 and i said you see once you were able to clear that thought from your head you it, it wh why do you believe in what someone tells you you need to yeah. believe in how you feel and what you're doing and yeah. she's 89 years old now and she wow. keeps on telling me wow I've lived past 89 as well. You know what? Past, past the 85. I said, you know what? You're going to just keep on going. I said, don't put any, any number. Don't, don't, don't limit yourself in any way. Yeah, absolutely. And with anything that goes with anything in with life, anything. all the negative things to don't listen, all the positive don't listen. You just create your own life. You just say, this is what I want. I'm declaring this. I don't need an outsider to declare this for me and then go, well, they said, it's like, what did you say? What do, what do you want? Who exactly. do you want to be? And that's mm -hmm. what I, I've done for myself. Uh, um, I know when we moved here 18 years ago, uh, they were building a, the Four Seasons Hotel. And within the hotel was the California Health and Longevity Institute. And they were looking for people. And uh, I figured, oh, I'll put my resume. And some of my friends back, he said, the Four Seasons, oh, they want someone that's worldly and blah, blah, blah. Well, P.S. I'm the one that got the job for 15 years. So at the Longevity Institute, that's where I've been going for the past year. They closed it now. They, yeah. Like, oh, I know. The past seven years or so. That was my doctor and my. Uh, oh, yeah. so the, but okay. So, you know, where I'm taught California. Yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. Then they have cooking, they have all these classes. Right. Yes. So I was the energy healer and hypnotherapist there wow. uh, for all those years. And now, yeah, of course, unfortunately they closed the doors in um, uh, last November. But yeah, it was an incredible run and <clears throat> excuse me. And I said to myself, see, I can do this. Why, why would he not pick me? And he did. And he interviewed so many people. I ended up with, with a position. Why do you think that was? Because I actually, after my interview, I remember getting up and looking at Dr. Tan and, you know, being from Brooklyn, I was a little you know, a little bit in the, in his face, you could say. And I said to him, you know, Dr. Tan, you should hire me. And he looked at me and said, well, why would I hire you? You know, I have so many other people. I said, because I will always come from love and I will always do a good job. And he looked at me and he said, he was my, I was the number one. And also I had a lot of um, volunteer work for 9-11 and the home port and AIDS and cancer. I had a lot of uh, volunteer behind me. And um, I had said to him, I said, well, with it, whatever the outcome is, all I'm asking is you just call me and either yes or no. And says, then whatever will be, will be. And two weeks later, he, I get a call from him. And he said, I know you, I said that you were my number one then. He's, but I also interviewed another 30 more people. And I don't know how to tell you this. I said, Dr. Tan, it's fine. Just say it. It's okay. And he's all right. Um, can you start tomorrow? <laughs> oh, so, so wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I worked with the, the, the 4.0, the ranch. I worked with fortune 500 companies, so many incredible individuals. And I loved that job. I truly loved working there. And it's funny that you you've been going there. So you know, it's a small an world. Amazing place. It's an amazing yes. place. Unfortunately, um, 
uh, he just, he lost his lease. And, mm. it, it, and I said, all right, you know, one door closes and another door opens. Where did those doctors go? Uh, actually, one of them is opening her own um, facility uh, this month, act- uh, in April. Which one's that? Dr. Perino. Oh, that's mine. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. In Thousand Oaks, I believe. And and Lynn, the nurses, will, will be working with her. Oh, so, okay. Give me yes. that information after we hang up of where that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, she's got all my records. Ah, <laughs> oh, so there you go. She's going to still be around. So, um, and I'll get you the number and everything. Okay, you know? thanks. But, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, unfortunately, I had to walk away from it because they were closing. And uh, now I work at um, another wellness center uh, doing still what I love to do. That's terrific. And so a different door opened for me. And, and it's been nice instead of retiring and just doing nothing, you're still giving back, sharing your gifts. The it's word retirement is not in my vocabulary. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I, we're, I not, feel- we're doing something we love. We have purpose yes. and passion. You know, you're changing lives every day. Why would you want to sit and watch TV or just kill time every day? Exactly. And I, you know, and I have so many of my friends, you're not retiring. No, because this is not work. This is my purpose, my passion. This is what I love to do. And I will always do it as long as, you know, I'm here to do it. And that's how I look at things. That's how I feel. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I'll give you her information. Thank you. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, she's out in Thousand Oaks, not far from the hotel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. They're yeah, all finding I, their own little places now. So. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm going to get a call sometime, but I thought, do I need to get another doctor in the meantime? But I thought, ah, I've got nothing serious. So yeah, I've got no issues. So I'll, I'll wait. So, yeah, she's been putting the practice together. So it'll open next month in April. Yeah. 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 I know we're running out of time. So I just want to leave your audience with this. This is like a little story that are you familiar with Wayne Dyer? Oh yes. Yeah. He, he said this, um, this was one of his students, I guess the exercise was write your life story in five chapters. Okay. And he, um, so, and he said, just you could use just one sheet of paper to write your, um, your life story. So this is what one of the students did. Number, you know, five chapters. So chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. And it takes forever to get out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street and there's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe it. I'm in the same place. It's not my fault though. It takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open now. I know where I am and it's my fault. And I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. Finally, I walked down another street. Mm-hmm. And that is such a great little story of what we all do. Mm-hmm. We keep walking down the same street, falling in the same hole, going, why am I, I'm such a victim. It always happens to me. You're so lucky. It's like, no, I walk down another street. Then if I fall in a hole there a couple of times, I go to another street because we keep getting obstacles. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep changing. That's why your morning routine is so important. So the big takeaway from this podcast is create your morning routine and love yourself because everyone else is taken. If you don't love you, you can't be of service to the world because all your imposters are going to come up and sabotage your good intentions. So focus on those things. Yes, boy, that's very well said. And I know I, I, for myself have left, have let a lot of them leave. Yeah. So, um, and that's, that's how we become successful and be again, our authentic self. So, wow, this was an incredible interview. (laughs) Where where can everyone find you? Where can my listeners find you? Soulblazing.com. That's just how it sounds. S-O-U-L-B-L-A-Z-I-N-G.com. And here is the book, Soulblazing. And, and I, a, I bought it on Amazon yesterday. So yes. 
and I'm and starting to read really it. Well. Yeah, it's doing really well. I'm getting a lot of compliments. Oh, put a, uh, on Amazon, please give me a review. <laughs> yes, I will. yes, I will. Thank you. Yeah, it's doing really well. And I've got asked to speak all over and do workshops for kids now and teens, because as we talked about earlier, that they all have so much anxiety and stress. So I'm doing a lot of volunteer work and a lot of, you know, corporations and stuff, you know, I'm speaking at that for money, but it's always important to balance. You do your charity and you do your, you know, you know, you don't always want to work for free. You got to earn a living right. so you do it both. So it's really a nice balance. So I'm enjoying the ride and seeing where it takes me. Well, it's going to, it's taking you really, really up there. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, one more time, the website soulblazing.com soulblazing.com yes wow lisa thank you so so much this was so enjoyable and yeah those archetypes you know we need to let them go yes absolutely know, so that we can we can heal and be again our authentic self so yes. uh, all right well you know to my listeners thank you for joining today and a big thank you again to my guest lisa and i hope you heard what you needed to hear and please visit me at motivateyourlife.net and please subscribe to this YouTube channel, The Spiritual Warrior Coach. Uh, we're on Spotify also, Am uh, Amazon Music, iHeart, we're international, we are everywhere. And there's a reason for it because I have guests like Lisa on there. <laughs> yes. And um, for those of you interested in maybe learning some energy work, uh, Check out my book on Amazon, uh, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. So um, thank you, Lisa, again, for a beautiful interview. And um, everybody uh, have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.